This is RPCC On Air. And we're back. RPCC On Air, episode 17. Say it with me, Jeff. Ramon. We are in the depths and the trenches of campaign season as we are recording this. How many days out are we, Jeff? We're we're 40. We're inside of 50. We're we're pretty close here. Yeah, we're right around there. Um it's it's all the days are starting to mesh together, so you know it's campaign season at its fullest right now. Um, Hashtag I can campaign there, I can season. I can tell you that we've both been busy. You know, we've been a while, away for a while here. We haven't had a chance. I know that you're running around like a madman over here helping out your candidates, so it's always good to see. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, people always ask, um, what's it like working in politics? And um, what I would compare it to was being a school teacher. You know, you got your nine months of the year, which is like insane. And then you got your three months, which are pretty awesome. So um, I, would, I, I would be really happy for a day like December right now. Uh, where we get to sit in the office and return emails and just get to answer calls. But, you know, yeah, our day... Be November, November 4th, Wednesday, November 4th. There you go. Our days are filled with uh, day knock, uh, with door knocking, um, uh, working with candidates for campaign literature, exposure, um, and organizing uh, our voter base to make sure that they're getting out and making sure that their voice is being heard. Um, starting October 6th, we're gonna say that a lot during this episode, early voting starts October 6th, yes, all yes, the way up until November 3rd. So um, me and Jeff are, 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 are working our uh, fingers to the bone. I actually have a, a, a small case of pink eye or a blood, busted blood vessel in my eye. Not sure which one, because I don't have time to go to the doctor. So we're here. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, listen, it's uh, RPCC on air episode 17. Uh, we're going to open it up with our chairman, uh, Chairman Sticken, in the chairman's report. Chairman, how are you doing? Good. Well, good morning, everyone. Very, uh, we've been working hard. It is 40 days today, so we are official. We're in the zone. Yeah, so we're yeah. doing well, keeping busy, a uh, lot going on. After the convention, things really did start to speed up, and then we are on the doorstep of the debate as well in town. That, you know, that leads us right into a, what we want to kind of harp on in, in Chairman's report. Um, Chairman, you know, I, I know you've been to a lot of conventions um, and you actually spoke at some of them. Um, this one was a lot different than other conventions because of COVID-19 and the impact that's having on our everyday life. Uh, you know, the biggest thing even going into the convention before it even started, the left was already hammering us. Uh, how could the president set out to do a convention at the White House, at our house? Um, and, and it's very interesting, you know, it just shows that people are, I wouldn't say ignorant, but they, they don't know the laws that they claim to be very upset about, right? Um, uh, what people were uh, referencing by saying that you can't have these events at the White House was the Hatch Act. Um, and basically that says that government employees can't do political action uh, on government time and on government property. Uh, in particular with the White House and why you saw them using certain laws and certain parts of the White House, um, it, it did not ne necessarily violate the Hatch Act. And I think that's a very good point of something not being necessarily illegal and something being out of the social norm. And what I would say with that is, you know, we are completely out of the social norm. We've been saying it for how many episodes, Jeff? The new normal. The new yeah, normal is... Been, Ed, I can't even remember the last time that things have uh, been different here, 
you know, we were actually able to go outside and not worry about things. So, right. So why would the RNC be any different? So I think, um, you know, let's, let's kind of throw that out of the way. And okay. but I just want to acknowledge that was the first barb that had no, no real meat to it. Um, but I do want to talk about some of the highlights to the RNC and I'll start with chairman. Um, what was kind of your highlight of the RNC in the overall week there? Well, um, yeah, you raise a lot of good points, and, and, and I think that's important to note. Uh, I think the other side was find, find, trying to find something to complain about. Uh, it was otherwise a very smooth and seamless week for the RNC. It was a virtual RNC. I thought it was extremely well done. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was, it as someone who has participated as a delegate, and also, as you noted, I have uh, given a speech at a convention, too, those speeches typically are given to the audience. So a lot of it is the energy in the room and the reactions mm -hmm. of the delegates. And if you notice the TV cameras and the media will, will sort of circle in on people's reactions and different state delegations. And a lot of it's the energy in the room that they're capturing and delivering to you at home. But since we don't have that energy, that middleman of audience there, that we're supposed to sort of tap into it's speeches that were delivered directly to the viewer, to the voter at home in their living room on their couch. It was personal messages. It was real stories from real American heroes about their struggles. And they were just well-delivered, uh, sincere speeches. Additionally, the RNC had a theme each day. It was, a, 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 it was four nights of positive themes, land of promise, land of opportunity, land of greatness, land of heroes, each tying in to, to all the themes, um, just trying to really capture the American dream, entrepreneurship, all the accomplishments of the administration, and right. also really highlight the stories uh, that show the different points of legislation the president addressed. I think it was a positive convention in contrast to the four days of personal attacks on President Trump. And I think for me, in terms of just the speeches themselves, the quality, the passion, uh, all the difference, there was a, there was a, minority presence, there was diversity, there were speeches that really captured uh, different American stories and viewpoints. And I think it really created uh, a big picture of what the administration is doing for the American public. I think that, I think that, that uh, encapsulates it very well. I mean, um, what you're saying about the positive message, I think that's something that in these times, especially in 2020, when everything is so negative and dark and impactful, and it's right. the end of days every day, um, <laughs> You know, and it was I, really cool. Right, it was really cool to, to see that. I do want to note, with respect to the delivering of the speech at the White House, I thought that was powerful. The fireworks, uh, the, the 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 speech itself, and and being there. Now, what's interesting, and this is something that I think is being glossed over, this is not the first time an acceptance speech was delivered at the White House. FDR really? was the first one to do that, and. Uh, that was during, again, another unique time in our history. And I think we have to acknowledge the fact there is a unique time in our history with the pandemic, and we have to be sensitive to that. And I think doing it outside, at, you know, on the lawn was being responsible too in terms of not being able to be in a convention center. And also, you know, if you think of it, a lot of the, the campaigning congressional candidates and, and, and the White House, President Obama, uh, Nancy Pelosi, they're often giving politically charged speeches at their office or at, you know, in the Rose Garden. I mean, so I think politics and their job intersect so much on a daily basis that I think we're, you know, drawing the line at this speech to me just seems uh, pretty politically convenient. 
and arbitrary. I think, you know, um, just because I think just because it's called the RNC, those same speeches could have been delivered on regular time um, and been called an official event. And I think that's what happens. But that's the benefit you get when you're a blue candidate. Um, just really quickly, just want to recap some of the things you said. You know, 25 women at the RNC convention for someone they say hates women is a lot of women. Um, I think we had over, I want to say, eight or nine minority minority of speakers, um, which were kind of my favorite part. Uh, Jerron Smith, with everyone oh, knows, wow. everyone knows that Jerron is. Gerard's my big brother. That's my guy. I love him to death every time he comes to Cleveland. Um, Honorable Ben Carson, Tim Scott, Clarice Henderson, um, Owen Burgess, uh, uh, Kim Klasik. That was great. We enjoyed that, Jeff. Clint Klasik was, yeah. that was great. Everyone enjoyed that. Um, and the CEO from uh, Goya, um, his powerful message about being a Cuban American and what America means to him. Um, you know, uh, I have a quote in my Twitter on my Facebook that I use at the time of my banner, Jeff, and I'm sure you've seen it. It says, I want to show people the American dream is still alive. Um, and that's what I think a lot of the minority uh, speakers at the RNC did that. So, you know, it, it was really great for me. Jeff, you got any quick highlights before we uh, move on? I mean, it, just looking at this, um, it feels like the RNC happened a year ago to me as of right now, just everything. <laughs> <laughs> We've been at it and just different things coming our ways and how things change on a daily basis. But uh, I, in all honesty, I got to say that it's just how one side took the positive road and the other side decided to sit there and say, this can't happen and try to make someone look bad and took the negative route. So I'm just glad that we went the uh, high road here and decided, you know, kind of speak about what's going on and the good things that are happening instead of sitting there and trying to say, well, this person did that and this did this and we can't have that. And so in my mind, I think that I'm just happy, just happy in general. And that's how we went about it. They were powerful. I think that's, I think, yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, again, uh, uh, we joked with Hollywood Shay, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later. In <laughs> Hollywood Shay, man. About 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 the about the kid who stood up in his chair. Um, you know, there were some powerful moments during that RNC, and that was definitely one of them. Um, so coming out of that, you know, you know, all the positivity you're talking about, Jeff, it actually reflected in the polls. Um, you know, going into the convention week, uh, Biden in the mainstream national polls, finger quotes, you know, how real those are. Um, he had a lead of 52 to 42 um, before the conventions began. He walked out of RNC week with 50 to 44, um, Biden, then Trump, um, amongst likely voters. And again, likely voters is such a uh, weird term because we know Trump pulls in unconditional, unconventional voters, people who weren't likely to vote. So those numbers are off. But to see that bump in the national media says a lot. Um, and we've also seen his numbers with African-Americans as high as 25 and 29 percent. And with Latinos, particularly the Cuban community, um, into the 70s. So I think that the convention did its job, right? The convention is supposed to shore up any anxieties that the party may have. Um, and I think, you know, from my understanding of what happened that week, that he definitely saw that return. Chairman, um, I, I want you to kind of respond to this. Um, Ohio's, uh, 
you know, Northeast Ohio's, I should say, uh, prominent newspaper said that Donald Trump is seeing a slide in suburbanites, uh, particularly in Northeast Ohio, um, which interestingly enough, the national poll actually said that that's where he was gaining on Joe Biden after the convention. What's your perspective on that? And where do you see, um, where do you see the president at in reference to how this presidential cycle is going um, on kind of a scale of one to 10 going forward? Well, yeah, so, so the polling, I agree with you after the convention, the convention is the, the candidate's best time to really directly speak to the voters. So while you have voters who are in the boat as a Republican or a Democrat and they're behind their candidate, you're right, the convention makes them sort of affirms their support uh, either way, right? But it also is that pitch to those undecided voters. In right. this election, I think there's just a lot going on with COVID and I think there's just a lot going on politically. And I think people are trying to sort of sift through that. And I think people did appreciate the unprecedented, unprecedented economic growth we experienced in 2019. And I think people loved, the, enjoyed entrepreneurship, the economy, all of the message and all of the, the opportunity the president was trying to present to our country and to our community. Mm. So I think that very much is something that people want to see the economy restored to that level again, and it's on its way. Um, in terms of the local polling, the polling is difficult because it's, it's always all over the board. So I think ultimately it's gonna be our job to, in terms of a, a scale of one to 10 and how we should feel. I always say feel a five, you feel confident, but you also know you, you don't ever wanna rest on your laurels. So we're always gonna work right. hard till the end for everybody, for all the candidates. And locally, the election's about more than the president, it's about the Supreme Court, but it's also about our judicial candidates all the way at the end of the ballot, our legislative candidates. So we just need to make sure we get the message out to those voters about all of our wonderful candidates. And so we will work hard to deliver that and to get that message out. And I know you guys are working so hard too. And I thank you for all you're doing too. Chairman, you're, you're, you're uh, starting to sound like a really, really good um, um, opening act for Jeff and his executive director report. We will be talking about those candidates that are down ballot that desperately, 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 because they are working so hard need your support as well um you know I, I what i would say is that polling is one thing right polling is one thing that's that, that's someone calling you on the phone and i don't know about you guys but i don't answer questions on the phone very well even though i do them right i've done them for years what i will say is walking these communities and knocking the doors um like i have i mean over the last probably two and a half weeks working with shay who's knocked over ten thousand in his district um since the beginning of this cycle um, I probably not probably about four or five hundred. There is support out there for the president, for Republicans. It is out there. Um, are you going to see the yard signs? Maybe not. Maybe not. But that's what I think the narrative is coming from this Northeast Ohio um, journalistic community is that they're saying there's no yard signs. So there's no support. That is not true at all. Jeff, I, this is your thing. You say it all the time. Yard signs do not equal votes, right? They do not, but I know that people love them. There you go. Lisa, do you want to uh, close out with a final statement in your chairman's report here? I do. I want to note that our yard signs have gone like hotcakes. As a matter of fact, we can't keep them in stock. So That is true. That so, is so true. I, I was, and people keep wanting more and more. So I take that as a good sign. Um, no, I appreciate all, all you guys are doing and all we're doing here at RPCC. 
And I just want to remind those listening, uh, the president's the top of the ticket. We have the Supreme Court, also equally important. Jeff's going to go over the legislative and local races. And Colin, you've mentioned these wonderful judicial candidates that I, I know you've been working so hard with as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a full effort here for top, top to bottom of ballot. And please vote your entire ballot. Um, it, the thing about the judges too, Republicans, who's my judges? I didn't vote. I didn't know who they are. We have a digital slate card, which is out on Facebook and has been emailed. Email it around. We also will have slate cards out. Please email this, forward it to your friends, your family members. That way they know who the good judicial candidates are, who to vote for, and please help us spread the word. Thank you. Make the slate card great again. That's the, that, that, <laughs> that's the slogan we're going to go with. Make the slate card great again. So right. Uh, right. chairman's report, it's been great. Thank you, chairman. Thank you for jumping into this because, I mean, becoming chairman months before an election, a presidential cycle must be really hard. So um, you and, and Donna- pandemic. In a pandemic. In a pandemic. You and, Chair, you and Chairman uh, Walker Brown are doing a great job. Women leadership. Um, me and Jeff are just living on uh, the island of Amazon. It feels like we're living with Superwoman and we're just kind of the plebes. You, got, you guys are doing it. So. No, we're, we're a good team, and, and I want to thank you again for all your efforts. I appreciate you guys, and, uh, you know, we're, we're working hard. And please, again, slate card. There you go. <laughs> slate cards. All right, Jeff. That's the end of segment one, uh, RPCC on air, episode 17. Say it with me, man. Remote. How will 2020 census data be used? Where there are more people, there are more needs for public services. That's why the census is used by the government to inform funding decisions each year. But that's not all. It's also used by nonprofits to inform services, by businesses to create jobs, and even by students for school projects. Understanding how the population changes helps us shape communities across the country for the better. Shape your future. Start here. Visit 2020census.gov. This is RPCC On Air. RPCC On Air, episode 17. Segment two, it's the executive director's desk, which might as well be a foxhole right now. We are at war with the other side, ladies and gentlemen. It is a uh, battle for the soul of America. And let me tell you, here in Republican Party, Cuyahoga County headquarters, we plan to win. Uh, our, our, our sergeant down here uh, is our executive director, Jeff Krajewski. And he is making battle plans and sending me out there on the front lines to uh, take the bullets and shoot the bullets. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, without further ado, I, I want to ask you what's going on on your desk. Um, we're officially within 60 days. I think we're actually at 40 now. Yeah, we're, we're right at 40. So it's time to get going here. And, and, and so, Jeff, uh, uh, General Jeff, as, as we'll say, um, what are we doing? What's the plan? I know we got some victory centers open. What's going on? Yeah, so we do have a bunch of victory centers that are popping up all over the Cuyahoga County. Um, I would like to thank the uh, Trump victory team for their support and setting up a victory center in Independence. Um, Black Voices for Trump has an office out in Cleveland Heights that Talicia Martin's in charge of, and they're doing a great job of making a push out there with um, different events that they have going on. 
and then um, the Republican Party County. We got an office in Strongsville. Uh, we got a lot of volunteers out there. I would like to thank all of them that are helping. I know that uh, one of our very own, Kim Bartlett's been working out there a lot. And then over Kim. we have uh, we have Kevin Bojarski, who has obviously been a huge help to myself and along with you, Colin, I know. He's been our uh, he's been our volunteer. He's been the one that is there for us and doing anything and everything that we need. Like we're gonna extend this segment by about two minutes, but I have to tell this. Kevin Bajarski drove from oh I texted him at probably about twelve o'clock yesterday, right? We had to take down a banner for Judge Jones uh, for some uh, funding reasons or whatever, uh, you know, nonpartisan whatever. We had to take down take down this banner. This banner is about 27 feet in the air, Jeff. It's 27 yeah. feet in the air. I called Bajarski, you know, the veteran who's been through all types of things in the service, and he shows up with a ladder, 17-foot ladder in his truck, puts the ladder on the back of his truck and climbs 27 feet in the air with a drill and takes this banner out of the wall. Um, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Uh, when Judge Jones texted me and asked me to do it, I was like, I have no idea how I'm getting that done. So I just need to give major shout outs to these super volunteers like Kevin Bajarski, who come out and do whatever it takes to help our candidates win. So um, major shout out to old Brooklyn and, and Kevin Bajarski. I think I owe him um, a cup of coffee. So, you know, those are the type of volunteers that make our job a lot easier um, and the type of volunteers we need in Cuyahoga County. Go ahead. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, it's important that people kind of know of what's going on at these victory centers. If you want more information about them, you can go to our website. We have stuff up there, um, CuyahogaCountyGOP.com, to be able to get where these locations are and to even get numbers for different people that are kind of our sign hubs. We have um, community members and just members of the actual party that decided to take it on themselves to sit there and be a point of contact for those that are looking for signs, whether it be from any local campaigns or the national campaign for the president. Um, on top of that, we've been doing trainings there for people to where we can have phone calls made for the president and different kind of candidates that are using the apps that we have available to us. Uh, mega meetups are going on and we're even putting on a little events ourselves to where you can meet different candidates. I know that we've had Congressman Gonzalez at uh, events, uh, Senator Dolan, uh, Representative Patton, along with Justice uh, Kennedy. I know that Justice French is going to be looking to do some things. So we're, if you're looking to do something, you need a spot, contact me or Colin. We'll figure it out. We'll get things some rolling for you. So that's something that's key with these locations is that we want to make sure that they're stocked with as much information that we can have in there, along with making sure that we have a good uh, traffic coming in and out and people are getting everything that they need. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then uh, the, the main thing that kind of we hit on earlier just at the beginning of the segment, 40 days, 40 days until the election. That means that October 5th is an important day. And October uh -huh. 5th is important because one, you gotta make sure that you're registered before then if you wanna vote. Two, you wanna make sure that you return your absentee application if you wanna vote by mail. Once October 6th hits, you are no longer able to request that absentee ballot application, nor will you be able to actually sit there and register to vote. But Say it again, Jeff. Say, say that one more time. October so 5th, clear. deadline. Voter registration and absentee ballots. October 6th, it all begins. Absentee ballots mm. will be mailed, 
and you can go down to the Board of Elections to vote. If you want to go down to the Board of Elections and vote, it's on the corner of Euclid and um, Chester. It's a very, very large building. They have a parking <laughs> lot in the back. You're able to sit there, walk in. They have the entire first floor dedicated to voting in person. So you would walk up there, provide them with your driver's license. They'll get you the information that you need, provide you with your ballot. You'll be able to vote. We want to make sure that we are getting this vote out early for our um, our candidates. The reason is, is that obviously with the pandemic going on, we don't know kind of what each day brings us. I know that what happened in the springtime with the primary is that we were going to have election, then we didn't have an election, then we ended up voting absentee. A lot of people got confused. As of right now, there is a huge number of people that have requested absentee voting. Uh, from the last statistics that I got, courtesy of Senator Dolan, was that there was over 200 absentee, 250 absentee, 250,000 absentee ballots that are willing to go out and basically waiting um, once October 6th coming around. I know that with early voting and absentees compared to 2016, it took about till October 18th to get to that number of just early voters and absentee requests. So this is just absentee wow. requests. Um, I know that right now uh, Republicans have seen voting election day as a holiday, it's their civic duty, they wanna go there. They want to go to the polls. They want to be a part of that experience. Right. They want to request their ballot. But right now, I know that in Cuyahoga County, there is a huge push for the Democrats and the independent voters to vote absentee. I know that they are predominantly probably three-fourths of those requests. And there you go. Republicans are about one-fourth. So those of you that may not think that it is safe to vote that way, please give us a call. My number down at the office, 216-621-5417. I can get you more information and, and kind of let you know the process itself of what happens with your absentee ballots. I myself have been voting absentee for the past 15 years, have never had a problem with it. So I didn't know that. You that uh, did not, or do not know if you want to go to the actual polls, um, don't know if it's safe to do that, please contact me. We can walk you through the process. We can make sure that you get everything set up in time. It is a safe process. I myself also have witnessed down at the actual warehouse to where the ballots are kept, um, the entire election process. It is bipartisan the entire way. There will always be a Republican. There will always be a Democrat watching over things. There is a little safe area in which all absentee ballots are locked with a key to make sure that nobody tampers with them. So we have to make sure, so we know that everything is safe and secure. Um, Secretary LaRose is doing a great job at this. Uh, I know that he is pushing everyone to make sure that they get out vote, which is key right now. Kind of moving on from there. And just giving you a little idea of what happened with. I'm that. still here, Jeff. Wait, hold on. Right, I, I, I just kind of want to, I kind of want to say some stuff. Um, it's important to vote um, uh, uh, early, even if you don't want to vote absentee. Our candidates really rely on those numbers on election night. Um, and you know, if you're not voting absentee, please vote early. Vote as soon as possible, because like Jeff says, we don't know what's going to happen in November. 
So uh, I, I just encourage you all to be safe, to to to, to be uh, make sure your voice is heard, and be early to the fight. Uh, we don't want to show up at the battle after the battle's already been won. All right, Jeff, get back to your executive director report. You're all good. Right. And then uh, kind of one of the main pieces that I want to touch on right now is in which everyone loves, everyone calls about, everyone wonders about, is slate cards. And uh, Colin, you kind of you kind of got a little slogan for us for our slate card. What was that that you had set up? Yeah, make the slate great again. Um, it's a it's a concept that uh, Donna Walker Brown, our chairman, came up with of executive committee. Um, it's really simple. Uh, take a screenshot of the slate card and send it to your friends. She made a really good point. Sometimes we leave, leave the slate card at home, but we're not. We're going to go in the voting booth with our phones. Um, that's what's going to happen. So the best thing that you can do to make sure that the entire slate is getting voted for is screenshot the slate card, or we, we can send it to you from the party, and you send it to five friends and family members and challenge them to do the same. Um, and basically, it's just all about keeping the slate card someplace that you're not going to lose it, whether you're voting at home or whether you're voting early. Uh, you'll have your phone with you, and there's no reason that you shouldn't have a slate card with you, and that the people in your family shouldn't be able to make the slate great again. So I think it's going to be a good thing, and um, Jeff is Jeff and I will be very happy to help you in getting that done and getting the digital divide out there. Last point here, though, is um, we're actually going to put the slate card in the description of this episode. So we'll have a web page where you can go to. The slate card will be right there. If you're listening to this episode, you have this slate card. All you got to do is click the description. So. Um, I think it's going to be really good, and um, I want to thank Donna Walker-Brown, our chairman, uh, for making sure that me and Jeff are on this and making sure we're making the slate great again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, we'll be sending this out numerous times. There will be emails going out. You can request it just by either calling us, texting us, however you want to get into communication with us. Uh, also, you want to make sure that if you are – Want to just go to the website, pull it down yourself. It's CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. We have a election info tab, and on that drop down is the endorsements. There is uh, all of our endorsements will come up for you. We even put a little button for you to have a print friendly list, so that way you can just be ready to go, print it off, have it with you. And um, like I said, be sure not like I said, like Colin said, um, be sure to, you know, share this, whether it be a text messages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any social media that you are on, take those screenshots, be sure to have it in your phone available, easy. Um, I know that a lot of people, some people don't like to carry things into the uh, polls. I mean, I know some people do take the slate cards, but I mean, how simple it is that you always have your phone on you. It's the one thing that you feel lost without. So how easy is it to just sit there, open up your phone, open up your pictures, and have that slate card for you ready to vote? Yep. Um, so, Jeff, hey, man, you controlled this segment, too. Um, and it's your desk, man. This is your foxhole. We are at war. I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking my orders from uh, General Draguski here. Uh, you got to compare your General Patton here. And he's a tough one, man. He's a tough one. So I'll let you close out segment two, man. Um, last words and get yeah, us out of here. Um, I mean, I'll put it this way. I, I appreciate all of our candidates out there right now that are working hard. I know that um, it, it could be stressful, but hey, you got 40 more days. Let's go. Let's get it. This isn't the time to quit. This isn't the time to turn over. This is the time to push forward. 
um, get every last little thing that you can out of your campaign. Uh, again, please remember the last day to register, the last day to request an absentee ballot uh, to get all that information in is October 5th and early voting starts on October 6th. So uh, with that in mind, I would like to close segment two of RPCC on air. And um, thanks for everything, everyone. And let's go. And Colin, say it with me. Remote. Remote. How will 2020 census data be used? Where there are more people, there are more needs for public services. That's why the census is used by the government to inform funding decisions each year. But that's not all. It's also used by nonprofits to inform services, by businesses to create jobs, and even by students for school projects. Understanding how the population changes helps us shape communities across the country for the better. Shape your future. Start here. Visit 2020census.gov. This is RPCC On Air. And we're back. Uh, segment three, Jeff. Segment three in the in the crazy, crazy hashtag campaign season time. Um, all the days are running together. All the segments are running together. Um, but, you know, we're getting through it, right? Me and you, right? We're getting to get yeah. through it. Oh, no, yeah. You know how it is. Early voting, like we said, starts October 6th. So Say it again. Make sure to get your absentee ballot request in. You or have up until Monday, October 5th. October 6th rolls around. Early voting starts. That's when you can get your when your absentee ballots will be mailed out. Or you can go down to the Board of Elections and vote in person. That's a perfect plug, Jeff. That's a perfect plug. Uh, uh, we talked about in the last segment, voting early is very important because we can lose the election on election day or before it even starts. Um, and that's really important to candidates to see those numbers, to make them feel like they have support in the community. And um, it, it makes for a better election night when you got some absentee votes in the bag, doesn't it, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because those come out real quick and that can, you know, make you on edge or it can make you feel comfortable. So... Let's make sure that yeah. all of our candidates are comfortable when they get that chance to be at their watch parties. Amen. But, you know, that was that was the executive director's port, report, and we're on to segment three now, Jeff. So uh, <laughs> segment three is the minority report uh, this week on episode 17. Um, and today I wanted to bring in a guest um, and just talk about uh, national politics, local politics, um, and really about what it's like for an African-American or a minority to uh, support candidates other than Democratic candidates. So I brought my friend in. Uh, his name is Alex Harp Harper. Um, he is a University of Akron graduate, uh, and he is the project manager for APB and Associates. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. How you guys? All right. I, uh, we're okay. Um, you know, it, it, it was all good for me until I started reading what A, P, and uh, B does. Um, you know, uh, I, I met Alex as a super Shea volunteer. I think I said I'll knock 300 doors for Shea. I'm pretty sure Alex has knocked almost 500. Um, but then I read his LinkedIn. And Jeff, you ever read somebody's LinkedIn and get intimidated? Like, yeah, and like, yeah, I have before. <laughs> so like, <laughs> me and Alex have been hanging out, you know, knocking doors together, sweating in the sun. And then I read what AP and B and Associates is, and I'll read this. Uh, 
APNB and Associates Inc. is a minority veteran-owned firm that specializes in high-quality management, consulting, and technical training. Fortune 500 and government agencies have streamlined processes, cut costs, launched innovative technologies through APNB's management solutions. Our text-based instruction and experiential learning is designed to improve skills, ensure significant growth for clients, we are authorized education providers for project management, international organization standards, scale, agile framework, Scrum, who knows what a Scrum is, uh, Six Sigma, and supplier excellent in management sustainability certificate programs designed to lead organizations towards operational excellence. Hard. What does that mean, man? And why do I feel like I'm inadequate right now? What, like, tell me what that means, bro. I feel like that's a whole page. Well, well, it's a lot. And there's actually some things that are left off of that. But quick as a technical correction, it's actually APB and Associates. Because it's not AP. No, it's okay. No worries. Don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. I got you. It's okay. But um, yeah, basically, we're, we're a consulting firm, kind of to kind of sum it all up. We're a consulting firm. We provide our, our clients and we do owner's rep thing, owner's rep. Uh, representation as well as um, actual project management on specific projects on con in the construction industry. But we also do a lot of training as well. The scrum you're speaking of is actually agile. It's a, it's a, it's a form of project management to be more, it's basically to be more efficient. I'm, I'm simplifying all of this, but it's basically to be more efficient and, and to make sure the project stays on time, on budget, those type of things. So yeah, you kind of sum it all up. We also do consult. We also do consulting work. We also do scheduling, estimating, claims and closeouts, uh, BIM technology, um, supply chain, logistic technology. There's a lot of other things that go along with that. But just to sum it up for you, though. Okay, so Harb, I don't know if I told you. Don't I don't know intimidate or not. It's cool. No, it's okay. I don't know if I told you, but my dad was a consultant uh, when I was young. He actually did the Daimler Chrysler um, Mercedes Benz merger. Um, and you know how hard it is for an 11 year old when they ask, oh, what does your dad do? And you say a consultant and you have to then explain that to your teacher and everybody else in your room is looking at like, I have no idea what you, what you said. By the time I was like 16 or 17, I'd say he's a really high paid, uh, uh, accountant. That's what he does. That's what he does. So mad respect to you for doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for breaking it down for us politicals, because all we know, are you voting for my candidate or are you not? That yeah, is as yeah, far yeah. as we think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. And, um, kind of just now that we got a little bit of background for you, uh, my question is, and Colin knows that you've been working hand in hand with him is, um, we like to call him uh, Hollywood Hawkins now. So how, how is it working for Shay over there? You know what? It's it's interesting because I'm I I guess consider myself an independent voter, so I'm not the like diehard Republican. So my connection with Shay was more organic. Uh, mm -hmm. He's just a, a guy, so I didn't I didn't mind going out and doing the things for him as far as like helping him out to advance in any way, shape, or form I could. So then once I got to being around him more often that's when a lot of the that's when the, actually probably the feeling you had to, toward me colin i had towards <laughs> oh yeah that issue 
when when Shay started running down the um oh yeah I used to work for Senator Tim Scott I, oh did you okay. <laughs> yeah I was the lead advisor oh all right that works yeah I have a um I have a law degree from Ohio State oh do you okay all right and a master's so, from someplace else yeah a master's from another prestigious school on the East Coast yeah you know just all these little things that you never kind of realize about someone and their, and their background, you know, but, you know, I knew he was educated, I knew he was articulate, so it was always nice, like I said, to speak with him and talk to him. That's how our relationship kind of grew in that aspect, because we could just have a, a nice, good dialogue. And, yeah, but as far as the Hollywood Hawkins, I actually heard that last weekend, too, a couple of his uh, buddies came up from D.C., and they start calling him the same thing. So, so um, <laughs> but it's great, man. It's the, it's the same kind of even more so now, actually, it's, it's it's nice to see someone that you actually genuinely admire and genuinely have a connection with, striving for something that they're that they're trying to achieve, and yeah, and so it's actually made it better to work with them. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think Hollywood Shay is a great example of uh, Hollywood Shay has also um, knocked a lot of doors. Oh, so yes, yeah. uh, a little a, a little uh, PSA. Even if you're Hollywood Shay Hawkins, you can put your uh, sneakers on and go out there and knock doors. Uh, Jeff, I, I even know that Marilyn Mattire, um, our, our godmother out in Solon, our political godmother out in Solon, was knocking doors last weekend with Shay. So really great team we got out there. We got to keep moving here. We can talk about background on, um, on Heart Forever. But Heart, uh, you know, not to get too deep into it, but you are also a returning citizen. Um, you're also, um, you know, a, a college graduate. You're gainfully employed. So you're a great person to talk to when it comes to politics and, and just kind of gauge what people are feeling and what some of the appeal is. So we'll get in right to our kind of big question here. Um, so I'm assuming that you didn't grow up as someone as a, who grew up as a Republican. Um, and, you know, now you're obviously supporting Shay and helping him out because of his personhood. Um, you know, I, I know we've had some conversation about the president and, and some of the things that you think were positive that he's done. Um, so how, how did you come to that would be kind of my question. Um, being someone that's not, you know, as we say in the party, you're born a Republican or you're made a Republican. Um, and most people are born that way. So, you know, how did you get to that point of saying there's some good things that the president is doing? Well, it, it's actually interesting, and, and, and you touched on it as being a returning, a returning citizen. It, I literally went from a college student to a um, inmate, I guess, in a matter of about a week. So my perspective was somewhat different. Um, when I'm, I'm viewing these, I'm viewing these like, well, I'll, I'll start with this. Like as far, as far as the president goes and the presidency, I started, I was interested in politics for a long time. So I actually watched every political debate from probably, I don't, I don't know, maybe 2012, you know, all, wow. all, all the way up. So, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking word for word. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so what ended up happening was, and, and I, what gave me more of admiration for our current president is I was watching the 2016 debates with him and Hillary and it was kind of like she was attacking him as a person. It was, mm -hmm. it was a lot of personal. It, it was it was more of you're a jerk, you're a jerk, you're a jerk, as opposed to how well you would actually be at the position. Mm -hmm. And 
the admiration the admiration for me came from the fact that he never kind of strayed away from the fact that he may or may not be a jerk. You know, in essence, he never, because you, in the political landscape, uh, when you start to attack someone personally, you automatically get defensive. And when they get defensive, they go into, no, you're, I'm not this person that you're trying to portray me out to be. And which you may or may not, depending on the specific set of circumstances. Right. He never strayed away from that. He, he stayed strictly on the job he planned to do if he was elected in office. And and that's kind of that kind of intrigued me because everybody has a background, everybody has a past, everybody has uh, personal quirks, good or bad or indifferent. And he never tried to portray himself as anything other than what he was. He strictly stayed on the job that he planned to do and what he what he spoke about his specific agenda and issues. And that's kind of what endeared me more to, I'm I'm gonna say endeared me more, but piqued my curiosity and made me actually enjoy hearing him speak and wanting to know more about what he was talking about. So, and I, I, that, that was kind of what got me to the point of, cause again, I identify myself as independent. So that's kind of what got me to the point of, okay, I can actually get behind this person because even though he may not, I may not have, I may have a different set of standards and criteria for the godfather of my child, but for mm. the president of the United States, he seems as though he, he's focused on doing the best job that he could possibly do. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I'll, I'll let Jeff kind of follow up and uh, kind of go to the, uh, I think I got to actually kind of ask that next question. Yeah, um, yeah I think that you do. Oh, yeah, I got to ask the next question. But I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let Jeff get the question after this. But, but you know, uh, I'll let him comment here, I should say. Um, I think that's, you know, that that is where a lot of even like and I'll tell you this, Harp, like a lot of Republicans are at, you know, the president is who the president is. He's going to say some things that are going to maybe turn you off. He's going to say something that you probably wouldn't say. Um, but when you're focusing on the job and the policy, then you can see where, you know, I can support that. Right. Um, with African. Go ahead. No, I don't mean I didn't mean to cut you off, but but to that point. A lot of people judge him on the man Donald Trump, and I can't judge the man Donald Trump because I don't know that man. I can evaluate the office and the job you're doing based on your actions, and yep. based based on his actions, he's probably as far as my generation goes, he's probably one of the most active active presidents within my generation, and of course he's probably one of the most egotistical presidents as well in, within within my generation. But that comes with the man; it doesn't come with the office. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and what I'll say is like with the African-American community, we talk about this all the time. I say this phrase, um, we are so focused. We talk about music. I use that as a comparison. We focus on the melody more than the lyrics. The melody is the Kente cloth and taking a knee on Capitol Hill. Um, which is crazy, which made no sense. Which is crazy, which is crazy. Uh, the lyrics are the policy that actually impact African-Americans, like the first step that, like opportunity zones, like more school choice, like funding for HBCUs. That, 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 that's the lyrics. And as a community, I think we need to focus more on that. Um, Jeff, do you, I mean, we're a minority report, so you didn't talk. This conversation I'm enjoying thoroughly. You know, um, a lot of people like to judge the president on kind of his Twitter and like you said, the person that he is, but in all honesty, we're going at this and looking at it and how this is, 
directly affecting our livelihood and how this affects everyone's personal day-to-day -day lives and the way that things are and how these policies that are being passed right now are helping people. So it, I, it, I'm enjoying it. And, and, to, and to that point, like, like you, you mentioned the First Step Act, the, the First Step Act that he uh, signed in, I, I want to say December of 2018, in the first year, 3,000 federal inmates got released. And, and the First Step Act is, is personal to me because I didn't personally get released on, but I know it's people that I sat next to for years through the whole Obama administration, through the, some Bush administration even. And they were, you know, it, they may have been waiting on this or that. You get two or three appeals denied and you start to lose hope. Your family starts to lose hope. Your support system starts to waver. And if you have 20 or 30 years left, and then someone invoke or signs an act that lets you out or recalculates your good time so that way you can get out earlier. That doesn't just affect those 3,000 people. That's 3,000 families. Mm -hmm. That's 3,000 families that maybe felt yeah. like they never have saw this person again. I know a specific case of a friend of mine. He, he had 20 years left, give or take, 20 years left, and he had just done 13. Excuse, excuse me if the numbers are a little bit long, but he, he did about 13. He had about 20 left. Right. And he literally got he literally got released three days before his first grandchild was born. Like that's that, wow. that based off the first step back. That's something that I can't unsee. You know, that I I watched this man hope for Obama and actually shed literal tears when Obama was uh put into office. And then however, when Trump gets into office, he has the ability to see his first child born. Those type of stories that get overshadowed by an insensitive comment he may make at a press conference. You know, he, he may, he may yeah. say something crazy to a reporter and not, cause I, I have a quote, I, I, have, I have something I say that people read captions and they don't read books. Um, you may have there someone you where, you may have someone where they, they read the caption that, oh, um, Trump cussed out a reporter and then walked off the press conference. But what you didn't say that before he did, he told us that you don't have to pay student loans for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know, you go, you gloss past that and go to, oh, well, he's a jerk and he shouldn't talk to reporters that way. But no, he just told you you didn't have to, you, you didn't have to pay student loans. That affects a large demographic of the population, white, black, or otherwise. So it's, it's right, things like that, right. that 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 gets shifted with our current administration, and it, and it turns into most more of an emotional response that he provoke, provokes a lot of emotion out of, out of the people in general, black or white. And that, that's why people have a, a, a weird, weird view of our president, even though he's actually doing very good things for the black community. I, I, I you know, I think that's a great segue um, into this next question. But I, I just want to say that, that, you know, that's that's the messaging that is uh, is resulting in the polling numbers that you're seeing in the support with African-Americans that sometimes there, there, are some, there are a group of African-Americans that are able to see through the sound bites, the CNN narrative, the, the, um, the uh, uh, out of context things that are being said. And, um, you know, the, even if they're not quote unquote supporting their president, they understand him and they will be willing to uh, cast their ballot that way. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, so these are two questions. Um, and we're gonna try. We're gonna try to get to them a little bit quicker. We we've completely blown out the time on this segment, but that's okay because this is an important conversation. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll, I'll nah. take the blame for that, man. 
No, no. Uh, um, honestly, you might come back in a couple of weeks and be a guest guest host with us. So then you can talk as much as you want, like I do. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so here's a question. Uh, so uh, I don't know how many people you really express your support for the president or for uh, even Shay, um, too. Everybody. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? Everybody. Okay. Everybody, so cool. Everybody, everybody talk. Yeah. So um, last night I was at a um, a showing of the Larry Elder film called Uncle Tom, um, or or you know as people like to say a coon, um, you know, mm-hmm. and that's typically they were they use people who don't support all Democrats. Um, you know, what do you say to people who say those things to you? And do you feel that you're alone? Well, you're obviously not alone because you met me. But are, do you feel like you're alone in, in, in the community of people who actually support the president, but either feel they're in a situation where they can't say it out loud or, you know, they feel like they're kind of closeted on supporting Republicans in general? See, and, the, and it's funny because I have, I have barbershop arguments and everything. That's why I, said, I, I tell everybody, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I've actually been called Uncle Tom and all, all these type of things. And it forced me to actually look up the, the, the definition or where the origins of Uncle Tom came from. And the funny part is, is that we know that Uncle Tom came from the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, uh, published, I think, 1864. Um, 1864, something like that. Um, but the actual character, Uncle Tom, in the book was actually described as a rugged individual that um, stood up to oppression and stood up to mm-hmm. slavery with, with, with dignified, with, with, with dignity. And he got the, the term uncle from the other slaves as being an honorable person. Mm. So it's funny when someone calls you Uncle Tom because they actually aren't sure what they're calling you. So that, that is almost, almost like they're speaking a different language and they're saying something to you and they think it means one thing, but it doesn't. Right, so right, that, right. So that that's always funny. I and and personally, I don't feel any type of way because my my beliefs are my beliefs. I, mm. I form my opinions. I form my opinions on more actions. I feel like the Democratic Party panders to the black community, and as black as in the black community, we like things packaged to us. We like things pandered to us, or not pandered to. We like things handed to us in a very nice way. And that's what the mm-hmm. Democrats are very good at. However, if you're gonna pander to me personally, I'd rather you pander to me with actions. If you want my vote, I want you to do something to get my vote as opposed to just walk in and tell me how nice I look in my suit jacket and expect me to vote for you. You know, and, and so, so those, those are the type of things. And I, and I ask people, I say, if you've been a Democrat all your life, your, your, your entire adult life, you've been a Democrat, what has that gotten you? You're, you're simply voting Democrat for the sake of voting Democrat, but what, what has that gotten you? So if you're unhappy with the way things are continuously going, why haven't you tried to change something or do something different? Because they told you not to. So mm-hmm. what sense does that make? You know, so what sense does that make? If I tell you that the boogeyman's around the corner, don't go, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna just stay here because the boogeyman, he said the boogeyman's around the corner, then that, that, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logical sense. I'm gonna say it doesn't make logical sense. We've just been conditioned as, 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 as a community and not even just black people, minorities. And then you also have a certain segment of the white community as well that feel the same similar way that if it's not delivered to you in a nice cuddly package with a bow on it, 
that is not good. And you know, again, our 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 current president and even just the Republican Party in general throughout history doesn't really give doesn't go out of their way. I'll say they don't go out of their way to um, actually actually cater to not cater to in a sense of uh, make sure it's understood what they're doing or what their actual agenda is. They just right. Go about, they just go about and do it. So now the lack of understanding of the agenda and the lack of understanding behind some of the actions that are done are perceived as negative because sometimes they have negative outcomes. Sometimes they may be perceived as negative in the short term, but they have a long term benefit, but we don't see that far. I, so, I think that I think that's really interesting because it's 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 saying that you have a different lens of thinking through what's happening, right? The way we're able to talk about it, and I think that's why we're so important. Um, not just we're important because we're black people, but just we're important because we can communicate. Hey, like let's look at this a different way. I know the I know the administration didn't come out and can't take cloth and take a kneel and write a whole bunch of pointless laws that didn't change anything for you to make you say, hey, we care about black people, but let's look at the policy. So that's where we, come, we become the ambassadors. But I think that we're not alone here, um, Harp. You know, um, according to 538, younger African-Americans have a very different view on politics than their elders and are much more open to Republican arguments. Um, and the data supports that, and 538 has put that out there. But that's because we're looking at it in the framework that we're looking at it. You gave me a pandering package versus you gave me an impactful package. And those are the two separate things that I think as young minorities that we're looking at now. You know, you're in a situation now where, where Democrats have controlled 95% of the African-American vote. Right now, they're definitely looking at 90 and below. 90 and below, I'll say that again. And, you know, for American politics, that is skewing more towards what the European politics looks like, which is more based on social economics and less based on race. Um, and that is not to say that race is not important because race needs to be talked about in this country. There are certain things that are different for African-Americans, different for minorities. But I think the younger generation of African-Americans, maybe it's because they're separated from civil rights a little bit differently and like, okay, we have those now, but what about our economics rights? What about our educational rights? What about our rights to actually be successful in this country? That is where we are now focused. And that is what I think is drawing more people and being open to the Republican Party um, or just Republican candidates. Because really, the, I don't think any black person should be all a Democrat, all a Republican. I don't think that. You know, I personally am, but that's just my, where I'm at. But I think it's really about the ideas and the solutions that are best for your community and voting your values and not a party. Last question, Hart, because I'm going to get out of here, man. We're having a really great conversation again. You're coming back to be a co-host, just to let you know. Um, okay. la la last question, man. Um, if you had to send a message to our community as African-Americans, Jeff, remember you're half black when you're on the minority report. Um, <laughs> uh, if, you had, if you had to send a message to our community about the upcoming election, whether it's about Shea, whether it's about our local judges like Judge Wanda Jones, who was running against a crooked, uh, crooked prosecutor named Rick Bell, or uh, Justice Kennedy, who was running against a uh, judge that actually let a cop go uh, when he uh, shot 47, 46 or 48 bullets into um, a uh, Melissa Williams and her friend downtown, you know, um, what would you say to that community when it comes to voting? Uh, one side of the ticket or another, or just voting in general? 
Well, well, my message, my message to anyone as a as a voter, minorities otherwise, is to be an informed voter. Like you don't have to vote along party lines, but become an informed voter. Learn learn your candidates, learn their issues, learn their agendas, uh, because you can the the same thing you may be complaining about. It puts someone in office that this is their agenda to keep that in place. Like, like actually learn your, especially your local government, your local government, you have a better act, more access to, and you have the ability to hold them more accountable for their decisions, for their rulings, for the way they're voting. And you have, you have their ear where you're closer to their ear than you have on more of a national level. So, so be an informed voter, Republican, Democrat, independent, otherwise, and actually know we're voting for and why you're voting. Because the same issue that may be important to me may not be important to anyone. Like I mentioned the First Step Act. You may have people that have never had someone, I can't see how, but you may have someone that you've never known to be incarcerated or no family members be incarcerated. So that doesn't apply to you at all whatsoever. But you may be pro-life. You know, it, it, it may be different, different issues that are more important to you. Not saying pro-life is not important to me. I'm not saying that, but it may be issues that are more important to you that are less important to me, but you should vote along that issue, not simply because emotionally your response to this candidate or another. That would be my message. Well, look, well, look, uh, my producer, Dario, is, <laughs> is shooting me down like, yo, we've been talking for a really long time, Colin, <laughs> wrap it up. Um, but look, 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 look. So I, I'll say this and then we'll wrap the episode. The reason this segment is this long is because RPCC on air, we made a promise to not only bring you candidates, we made a promise to bring you perspectives. What you were just able to hear was from a minority independent. In our little Facebook spheres, in our Twitter spheres, in our little bubbles of information, we don't really get this conversation, right? Um, so for me, this was really important to bring you all, and you made it through this far through the um, uh, segment. I appreciate you for being here. Guess what? Now you're more informed. You understand someone else's perspective just a little bit better. And if we can do that for you here on RPCC on air, as well as making sure your candidates are getting elected, we're doing our job. So Jeff, um, uh, I will, you know, ask you to help me close out segment three of episode 17 of RPCC on air. Say it with me, Jeff. Remote. Remote. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Alex. Distributed by FCB Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.